There are times when the world is boring, and times when it's way too exciting. There are times you've got to relax, and times you need a little excitement. There are times you need to remove yourself from reality, just for 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And for those times, there is the tall guy with the short stories. Welcome, I'm your host and author, Chris. Well, friends, I begin today with another apology. I did not post an episode last week, and although there are reasons for it, I am very sorry. I've had some rather unprecedented events happen in my work life recently. I witnessed a supervisor put his hand on and begin to pull a coworker while he was screaming at them. I was sent home with pay that day. I reported the incident to HR, and the next morning informed that I was being let go. HR informed me it had nothing to do with what I had reported, rather that I was a poor worker, which is a little surprising given that all my reviews have been pretty fantastic. Yes, my friends, sometimes it's a sad world we live in, when an employer merely has to say, you're bad, and they are protected from the repercussions of assault charges. Ah, well, I am a fantastic employee with an amazing work ethic, and I will find a better job soon. I can just feel the sympathy pouring in from you folks as you listen to this, and I appreciate it greatly. But you didn't tune in to listen to my employment woes. You pressed the play button to hear more about our friends in Angers Hall. So let's pay them a visit, shall we? Thomas sat at a table and laid out his ideas to ruin the necromancer's day. Sir Matthew and Andrew listened intently. Smith sat quietly with an amused yet proud smile on his face. The steward of Ingersoll, Sir Matthew's father, asked questions of Thomas's ideas when he required clarification. All in all, it was a particularly productive and beneficial planning session. Although they had little time, the necromancer's threats via the storyteller gave them only a day, or a day and a half, to implement the new ideas given by the young Thomas. The other two, Z and Brand, stood by listening as best they could, both of them unwilling to speak in the presence of the leaders of the city. But when Tom's idea brought approval from the leaders, it brought fierce pride to Brand and Z. She watched listening as Tom went into detail with his plans, and the surge of emotion she felt toward the young man threatened to rob her of her self-imposed silence. It was obvious that his mind worked differently than those of the leaders, and just as obvious that his plans would come as total shocks to the necromancer. Brand stayed quiet as well, his attention split between his friend's plans and the welfare of his brother, now with Lady Kate. The unveiling of his friend's tricksy ideas brought a deep sense of pride to the burly son of the baker, and he was glad to see that Tom's ideas were heard clearly and accepted by the four men around the table. When the meeting had finished, Smith, Tom, Brand, and Z made their way out of the hall proper. As they came into the open air, they all breathed deeply and stretched their arms and legs. 
All in all, they had spent nearly three hours in the hall, planning with the leaders of the city, and all four were itching to get to work. The seriousness of what was coming made them feel as though there wasn't a moment to lose. Smith bade Brand to wait till Sir Matthew and Andrew emerged and ask them where he could be the most good. Smith asked Thomas to accompany him to the smithy, where they would throw their skills in with those already toiling for more weapons and armor. Z made it known she wished to scout around the city, and she promised she would bring word of her opinion of the defenses when she returned. She nodded to Brand and Smith, kissed Tom's cheek, and made her way outside the walls. Tom's face reddened as Smith and Brand cast their eyes upon him after the kiss. They both beamed at his reaction, enjoying seeing the young man embarrassed. Smith chuckled and chucked Tom's arm gently yet boisterously. Come then, lad, let's get to work. And they left to report to the blacksmith's forge. Z walked outside the main gate and surveyed the area directly outside it. There was no doubt Tom's idea would work wonders in this area and there was little chance of defending against his cunning. She felt another rush of emotion toward the young man, who had taken a good portion of her thoughts in the last few weeks. She surveyed the areas where the walls had been fortified and the soldiers who now stood atop them, scouts themselves keeping their eyes peeled for the servants of the Death Mage. As she was scouting, she made herself aware of several spots on the ground she could conceivably shoot from storing them away in her memory, if ever she needed to employ them. Brand, after waiting for the leaders of the city to exit from the hall, had been put to work. They had told him that water needed to be hauled to the tops of the walls. Brand must have made a face because Sir Andrew went on to explain. He told Brand that fighting was the most taxing exercise a human body could undergo, and as such, Water was an absolute necessity for the soldiers. After having it explained to him, Brand got to work. He hauled buckets of water up to the stairs in certain points on the wall for the better part of three hours. Using a yoke with two hooks on it, he would fill the buckets from the town well, attach them to the hooks, and make the journey up the stairs to the top of the walls. After emptying the buckets into waiting rain barrels, so big that Brand could have sat inside them, he began the process all over again. By the time night fell that evening, Brand could barely keep his eyes open. But the rain barrels had been filled. Tom and Smith reported to the town blacksmith, but before they entered, Smith put a hand on Tom's shoulder. Lad, he'd said, this man trained me. He yells a lot, mostly because he can't hear much anymore, but don't be discouraged. He'll notice you're a hard worker, and if you can get him to understand you, he'll notice your keen mind as well. I'll help you as much as I can. Just be patient. He's a good man. Then he opened the door, and the two made their way inside to make Tom's ideas into realities. The necromancer had not wasted any of his time. He had sent out more of his dead animals to seek out other live animals. He had tracked them, slaughtered them, and made them into minions. 
what mercenaries he could call to his service, had joined him, with promises of looting the city of Inger's Hall. He promised them all the coin they could find, and all the goods they could pilfer once the city's inhabitants had been put to death. All told, he had more than 100 mercenaries, and many more of the dead yet living animals that were his particular speciality. The forces of the necromancer consisted of birds, wolves, badgers, a few mountain lions, and three or four bears that would serve as his guard. His hatred of the folk of Anger's Hall fueled his maddened desire to bring the city down. His madness had pushed him to more and more power, and his lack of control started the cycle all over again, until his ranks had swelled, his self-importance had grown, and his madness had reached fruition. The day of the battle was swiftly approaching, and the necromancer smiled his hatred, ready to bathe in the blood of the city. His unfounded anger swelled in his heart and mind, his lust for power and violence overloading whatever conscience he had left. He was a man given over to his base desires. What's worse, he'd done it all to himself in thinking that every choice he'd made had been right, by never taking into account that he may be misguided, and all of it stemmed from his desire for secrecy. When the magic had found him, he'd kept it all to himself, never explaining to anyone what was happening, never seeking wise counsel as our friend Will had done, ever seeking to be the one to control the power he had found. And what had transpired was much the opposite of what his original goals had been. Instead, the power had taken control of him, poisoned his mind into believing that he was in control. Now, after years of the maladjusted power and concepts in his mind, he was a shadow of his former self, never knowing joy or sharing in the happiness of a friend's success. Indeed, he no longer had friends. He had pawns, willing to do his bidding. He had minions he had destroyed utterly, who could do nothing but as he willed. Only the mercenaries could think for themselves, and he'd soon put an end to even that. He crept through their camp as they slept, and did away with what minds were left to oppose him, enslaving each and every one of them in death, so that he could exercise yet more power and control them utterly. Had our friends been able to see him now, it would be obvious to them at a mere glance. This was no longer a man. He was a tool himself, a tool wielded by evil. And that is all for this week, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to click that follow button and stop in next week for what is shaping up to be a little bit of a longer episode. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Thank you.